0: Hello and welcome to the Future Engineering Club podcast. My name is Jack Colomas and thanks for joining me. This week I'll be interviewing Chris Thomas, Head of Business Improvement and Innovation at Bristol Water, hearing about his work connecting new ventures to corporates and balancing innovation across the OPEX and CAPEX. Before we dive into it, let me tell you a little bit about the Future Engineering Club. Founded in 2019, the Future Engineering Club exists as an industry working group focused on enabling collaboration between construction tech startups, industry decision makers and venture capital investors, having welcomed over 400 industry leaders over our series of events. Now for the podcast. Chris joined Bristol Water in 2017 and established the new business improvement and innovation department within the CEO Directorate. His role is to push Bristol Water forward, seeking to accelerate today's adoption of tomorrow's innovations. He covers everything from operator model development and business change, to innovation management, recently found in Bristol Water's Business Incubator to support a range of startup businesses that bring solutions to challenge what's possible in the water's industry. Before joining Bristol Water, Chris spent over seven years as a management consultant working across the utilities, energy and defence industries. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Really appreciate your time. So tell us a little bit about your role at Bristol Water. So...
1: I look after a team called Business Improvement and Innovation, and I often describe it as having three aspects or pillars to what we do, Um, continuous improvement, business change and innovation. So continuous improvement is largely looking at what we've got today and seeing how we can tweak it and optimize it and get more from it. Business change is looking at what we've got today and deciding we don't like it and we want something different and looking for a bit of a step change. They're often larger projects that come with a bit of an exec mandate and steering group associated with them. And then innovation, not looking at what we've got today, but looking at what tomorrow might hold and how we can accelerate our adoption of that into the business. And that means we're not a a research and development department or anything like that, but um, we're more there to facilitate mechanisms or encourage the adoption of innovation and better identify what's out there. What's your approach to innovation and how do you convert these new ideas into outcomes? There's definitely no one-size-fits-all. I think I try to maintain a bit of a portfolio approach to things. Maybe it's a bit like starting a fire. So if you want to have a fire in your living room, you'll put all the right controls in place and you'll decide what's economical to burn. So you're not going to burn the curtains and you'll start with some kindling and maybe you'll move to larger logs later. And if you're really cautious, you might have some sand or water to hand you put out any sparks that go a bit rogue. And I think as corporates doing innovation, you try and follow... Those kind of typical good practices that you see everywhere. So, you'll set up strategic partnerships with universities and you might put contractive incentives in place with your supply chain. Um, You want to establish your key challenges and focus areas and build a pipeline of trial and rollout schemes. Perhaps the more interesting angle on innovation, I think, is where history would show us that many of the greatest breakthroughs were by accident. So, it's really important to try and seek to engineer serendipity. And that is, you know, creating the conditions that are conducive to creating innovation and opportunity and seeing what happens from it. So creating the conditions for a fire and seeing if it will catch. I did read some time ago that when Google tried to um, create their new offices, they tried to encourage this and they wanted to encourage what they described as casual collisions in the workforce. So people sort of bumping into each other in the corridor and having those sparky moments. That's certainly not a great idea in this pandemic at the moment, but you kind of get what they were shooting for. And so I think it's important that we challenge ourselves within our environments and in corporates to do the same. It's a difficult thing to do. There's no neat business case that can be wrapped around the idea of engineering serendipity, but there's lots of small ways we can emulate that concept. So many companies have an internal ideas platform as we do, and we try and reward people's participation in it as opposed to a completed and successful implementation just to create the right conditions for innovation to flourish. What I would say as well is when you're at that end of the spectrum and you're not doing all the sort of textbook pieces of innovation, you're in the world, the murky world of sort of stakeholder management and charm and persuasion because people are often working alongside your side of desk or in their free time. And so you've really got to capture their interest. And that's where I think the real challenge lies in trying to turn innovation and ideas into outcomes. It's how we work with people in those nice sort of engineered serendipitous moments and sort of carry all our charm and persuasion into them.
0: I like that idea of serendipity. At the Bristol Water Innovation Day a while back, I remember the widespread support you had from the Bristol Water C-suite and senior management. How do you encourage change within the business? And has there been any form of a learning curve in adopting more of an entrepreneurial approach internally?
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're very lucky at Bristol Water to have real support for innovation, um, right from the executive, but all the way through the company. And I think it's very much wrapped up in the social purpose of the company. So people really care for the region that we serve. And there's a lot of collaborations with local stakeholders to do things like deliver the big visions that sit in the Bristol One City Plan, which is from the local city office. And one of the more entrepreneurial initiatives that we run is a small business incubator. And that aims to support innovative startups in the region. And I really love this initiative because there's so much to be gained from both parties working together on it. So corporates can offer an awful lot to startups, you know, access to their enterprise can really help startups accelerate that lean startup cycle, the learn, build, measure loop. But crucially, and to try and answer your question, the corporates get a huge amount through working with a company that doesn't operate under the same constraints that it does, that has maybe a, you know, a vision or solution beyond the boundaries of the enterprise. And it's crucially, it's run by entrepreneurs. So talented entrepreneurs have a dynamic that in my mind, really is the answer to change fatigue that so many larger corporates struggle with. Your stereotypical entrepreneur is, is someone with energy and passion and relentless drive, and they've got huge grit and resilience and, and actually a massive incentive to succeed because, frankly, there's probably only enough money in the bank to get them through the next six months or so. So having these people wandering your corridors, challenging you on a daily basis and being around the business is, is really fantastic in trying to push you for delivering results. We've been running that for some time and we've really seen the benefits of it as we've scaled up through, particularly that event that that you mentioned last year.
0: Innovation in a regulated industry can be tricky. Does this mean you want to see more traction in new ventures before trialing it on your water network? Well, despite how the
1: layman might view the water industry, I think it's really a very innovative industry. And so rolling out trials is really just a matter of making sure the nature of that trial is suitable. You know, at one end of the spectrum, it's really important to remember that we operate national critical infrastructure. We provide the most essential service for human life and absolutely nothing we should do should ever jeopardize that. So if we're trialing products that touch water, then we just need to make sure it's set up probably, you know, offline and away from that. But There's nothing to stop us pursuing those trials. And similarly, if it's some kind of solution or product that doesn't touch water, then yeah, let's get them on the enterprise assets as quickly as possible. I think the thing that's really fascinated me more about how quickly we can drive the development and adoption of innovation is more the commercials that sit behind it. So a digital product has the potential to be built quickly and scaled quickly. And when you set up revenue for how that product might generate money, you can often do it in a reoccurring manner that's quite attractive to investors. And it's arguably quicker for customers to buy it if there's a subscription model in the cloud that they can turn it on and off. So. These kind of things attract a lot of attention from venture capitalists. And we see some really fantastic innovations being developed. It's, it's what's behind so much of the hype around machine learning and artificial intelligence at the moment. And we've done some great things at Bristol Water. I think we recently managed to optimise uh, pumping across both our raw and our potable water networks, which is quite a feat. But when you look at hardware or physical infrastructure, it's much tougher. This is something that a water company is going to invest in and, and own for many years. And you can't just build a sort of a, there I say, a, a slightly dodgy minimum viable product and then update it each month. And nor do the revenue models of buying some kind of asset lend themselves to being reoccurring in nature. And it's probably capital investment that you're seeking from your customers. So you land in what is usually a slightly slower burn um, investment governance cycle. And all of these things add up to make it that much less attractive to venture capitalists. So you're in a world where you're much more reliant on grants and subsidies to keep things moving. But it's the same customer each time. And often our expectations simply haven't changed. You know, we still want innovation at the pace of the digital domain. And so I think there's a real challenge there around our, our development and adoption of innovation. Have we got our expectations wrong? Or if not, what more can we do to help entrepreneurs who bring physical and hardware products through? Um, that are going to benefit the industry.
0: Tell us about which technology trends you're most excited about and what these would mean for the water sector.
1: There's loads of um, great things going on at the minute. I was recently speaking to um, some entrepreneurs who are very talented material scientists and they do some very clever things, creating actuators and valves that can move without any mechanical parts, which is is very clever. And if you look to the developing world, there's fantastic ideas being dreamt up around drawing moisture from the air to make water available. But I think a bit closer to home and thinking through, you know, what could make a real change to the industry. I'd probably pick something like chemical free treatment because there's so many positives associated with it. You know, it's so much better for the environment not to use all these nasty and aggressive chemicals. It's it's much better from a health and safety point of view to not have uh, people need to deliver and handle these chemicals. And I suspect there'll be a cost benefit with that as well. And when you look at the ways people are exploring this technology, they're often building it in quite a modular format which just makes me wonder whether whether we could move towards a, a more decentralised um, approach to water treatment. Much like we've seen in energy, I know, I'm not sure we'll ever get quite that far, but somewhere halfway in between would be very intriguing. So um, I think chemical-free water treatment is
0: going to be quite interesting to keep an eye on. Sounds really interesting. It's clear that you're a champion for tech startups solving challenges within the water sector, although sometimes water frameworks are more built for rate card based labor. Where do you see this going in the future and what tips would you give to a startup for winning work in this environment?
1: Um, I think actually some of the procurement practices in the water industry are, are quite mature and innovative. there been some really clever things done with alliancing and multi-party framework agreements. But you're right, there is always a challenge for startups trying to win work into the industry. And I think probably the best thing that struck me over the last couple of years is for startups to look to partner with companies really before they're ready to come to market. And there's loads of reasons to do that much like what I was describing about our incubator initiative. So, you know, trying to make sure you've got the right product and seeking some support from corporate partners to do that. However, what it also allows you to do if if you're doing that is make some really important contacts, you know, you, you get to learn the industry language a bit. And if you're really lucky, you convert that partner into a customer when the time's right, or perhaps even gain access to contacts in their supply chain or mechanisms to reach their customer base in a way that's going to be really relevant to your product as it needs to scale. So there's lots of directions it could take, but I think getting an early partnership set up early with a corporate within your target industry can make a really big difference.
0: I couldn't agree more around that idea of developing the partnership and improving collaboration. One final question, what does the next 12 months look like for you and the team at Bristol Water?
1: Well, maybe I'll split this into two, cover the more corporate sort of things that we're doing, but also what we're up to to engineer some serendipity, as I mentioned before. So I think corporately, we're really focused on setting ourselves up for the next regulatory period. So for the water industry, that runs from this year through to 2025. And we've made some really big commitments to our customers over that period on how we're going to improve things for them. So there's a lot of innovation needed to achieve that. But also coupled with that, the whole industry, in fact, is preparing a joint innovation strategy for the sector, which is going to inform how, off what run an innovation fund that they're launching towards the latter end of this financial year. So there's an awful lot going on in terms of innovation in the water sector that we'll be heavily involved with. And then on the engineering serendipity side, I'm working to support the setup of a local Founders Institute chapter. And So the Founders Institute runs regional city-based accelerator programs for innovators who want to start tech-based businesses. I'm hoping through setting that up, we can make a really good contribution to encouraging innovation to flourish
0: in the region. Sounds great. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you soon. Thanks, Jack. It's a pleasure.